0: Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the True Crime Podcast, brought to you in part by The Grind, with your host, Matty Matt, as well as Todd Fox and Big Renee. And we're here once again, giving you another episode. Before we get started, we want to let you guys know that we are not professionals, okay? Yes, we are not. We are not <laughs> professionals <laughs> at this. So uh, bear with us, and some things might not be accurate, but hey, we're doing what we do best, and that's podcasting, and we enjoy what we do. But if you guys want to hear our last two episodes that we've done, listen to, listen to us on Spotify or uh, Podbeam. Look us up under The Grinds, and you will find the first two episodes we've done. They were good ones. Uh, so check us out. Now, for this episode, we got a two-parter, and I've been dying. I've been dying to hear what this one's about because my guy here, Todd, really brings the story to life. And oh, last yeah. week and the week before... It really struck my nerves, and he said to me last week, he said, "You know what? This one's going to be better, as far as reaction, because everything from my reaction and Renee's, it's it's fresh. We know nothing about these stories. Only Todd does, yep. and he's going to tell us to us. So,
1: Todd, why don't you tell us our first story? <clears throat> All right, the first one is the Everett family. The Everett family. We're going to start. We're going to go in the Wayback back machine. Okay. In a time machine, 1935 to be exact, in the very heart of the Depression era. Dang. They're in Maine at this time. <clears throat> the father and mother have uh, six kids: three, three boys, and three daughters. And where I should have stopped earlier <laughs> when we did, when I was pra- practicing on this, I'm gonna go from here. Basically, one of the sons later on would gr- grow up and have have a, a daughter of okay. his own, right? Okay. Now this was 30 years later. Okay. So this is in the mid 60s or whatever. She ran out one night and said she was going to be somewhere where she wasn't supposed to be. We all do that. Yeah. <laughs> and but told her dad one thing and did the other. <clears throat> the that's dad, the gra- that's the granddaughter, right? Yeah, the granddaughter. Okay. So 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 basically the, the dad went out to try to find his daughter, which which is Pamela Everett. And when he found her, um, she doesn't specify exactly where she was at, but it was wasn't where she was supposed to be. He got mad and told her something very cryptic. He told her, he goes, my God, you scared the crap out of me. I did not want to dream of the day where I had to search for someone else, one of my loved ones, and find them where we found them. And she was like, what are you talking about? And hmm. he's like, I'm not going to do this with my own daughter. And he started to yell at her. And he and he goes, I'm not going to lose you like I lost my sisters. Oh,
0: you got my attention.
1: So that's, that wow. that's what happened in the 60s. Now, this is a family secret. That they kind of just kept hush hush. So, what happened was she tried pressing him over the years, you know, five to 10 years later. Problem is, her father died 10 years later of a heart attack. Dang. So, she never really got into what happened. What are you talking about. But she yeah. wound up writing a book. And this is where the information comes from <clears throat> because she did her research. Okay. And she found out that she had, because she only thought that she had one aunt. Up until that day, she didn't even know she had two other aunts. Dang. And her aunts were the famous 1937 case called The Babes of Inglewood. They were <clears throat> they were uh, a family, first of all, going back in time again, okay. now back to the 30s. They were in Boston, Maine. A family over there, tired of the cold, tired of the depression times. The father wanted a new job. He the mother came out here first because okay. they had a family member out in Los Angeles. Okay, She set up roots, got a nice job. He came out and got a, brought the rest of the kids, which was six at the time, out to Los Angeles, which is a suburb, which is Sentinella, Inglewood area, Sentinella Park. I know exactly
0: what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, it's down by your hood area, right? Yeah, you know it. <laughs> so it's a nice freaking area at the time. Okay. And they have a big park and everything. Uh, he got a job with aerospace, like an airliner place. And he wound up being able to afford a house right next to the freaking park. Nice. So the kids started playing there almost every day. And at that time in the 30s, you had people coming in from all over the freaking country, moving west because of the depression from the Midwest and things like that. You had some unsavory people coming in. So basically, there was a problem in the Los Angeles area of, of kid, you know, adult on kid crimes but yet still there was a moniker out there where you wouldn't dare do this with your own kids today, but back then, you'd let your seven-year-old, your nine-year-old, your 10-year-old oh, play yeah. in the park unattended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not now, obviously. obviously you can't do, do that now. But back then, but, the kids yeah. would go till what? It was The street lights went on, mm-hmm. and you had to go mm-hmm. home. Yep. And back then, you had park assistants that would kind of overlook the park and then tell the kids, hey, it's time to go home, type yeah. deal, You know, yeah. even if they, they straggled along or whatever, right? Basically, there was two daughters of the family. Like I said, there was three girls. She wound up writing a book about, and she called it Little Shoes. Keep that in mind, Little Shoes. Ah, uh, I got an idea. So basically, it was uh, on the day, well, let's see where I wrote down the day here. Uh, on the day, oh, I almost got it here. Yeah. On the day of June 27, 1937, okay. the kids went out. They've been playing. School had been out for over oh. two weeks now. All at the time. kids, at yeah, the time. All, the, all the kids were okay. at, were outside, either at the park playing with their friends. They were the t- the two kids were very known in the in the in the neighborhood. The two for, daughters, yeah, two daughters. Okay. Would be there. They also had a friend that was with them, and uh, she was she was out playing with them. First of all, the kids' names were Melba Everett and Madeline Everett, and their friend Jeanette Stevens. Uh, Melba was uh, nine years old Madeline was seven years old and Jeanette was eight years old so family friend that was just in the area or mm-hmm. whatever right so they went out playing one day nothing nothing was different beautiful day in Los Angeles all of a sudden all of a sudden as the day wore on they had a favorite radio show because keep in mind back in the 30s there was no TV yeah. you know there was just radio shows you would listen to t- a radio show so their favorite t- radio show came on and they didn't return home <clears throat> no one saw them the parents started freaking out because they're like this is not like them and then they contacted the neighbor and the neighbor hadn't seen jeanette either so they're freaking out they go down to the the park they send the other kids <laughs> to look for whatever reason the parents send the other the kids other kid to, go to look for, for the other ones Unattended. unintended yeah while they're doing the same type of thing That's and they, <laughs> not very smart they yeah. went to the local police station right yeah to file a complaint the police said hey you know, you got to wait 24 hours and the,
0: I still think is dumb, but okay.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. But then the father was like, look, these kids are little. They're not 12, 13 years old. They're seven and nine and an eight year old. Like, and they're all girls that caught the attention of one of the detectives. He then, you know, asked the police chief of that police station. Hey, can we do something? And the police chief had kids of his own. And what was very uh different at the time which where they would put out an amber alert now back then the cops would stick to their guns and be like no we're not going to look for 24 hours this cop had an idea like well this is three kids missing and it's unlike them it's been a few hours he actually called in police stations back then remember there's no computers there's no nothing like that yeah he organized the search and sent all available units to the area and they all went searching. And that area was all hilly and everything. They brought horses in. They searched all night into the next day. The police even decided to bring in Boy Scouts. Wow. Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. From the ages of 13 to 16. They brought them in. And a few 11-year-olds, too. The most ironic thing about this day. The second day of the search. You know, they're, they're, they're getting clues. Also, oh, two days Yeah, pass two the... days passed. Okay. They're getting tips, but and they're saying you know a bunch of people are coming forward saying, we saw them, and then there was we saw them with this guy, and this guy had uh, was was uh, playing tricks like doing tricks under the, their favorite tree by the by the play area, and he was showing off for the kids like he was able to unjoint his wrists like turn them backwards and oh, do all these like weird tricks double joint it, then they talked to one of the park uh, employees. And he goes, I remember these little girls coming over asking for some rope because the man knew rope tricks. Now, you see, if that happens today... Yes. And someone comes to you and says... Kind of suspicious. Exactly, right? You're like, no, 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 wait a minute. He wants a what? He wants to show you a rope trick? You're a kid? Red flags galore, right? Yeah, Uh, automatically. Park park attendant thought nothing of it. It was a different time. Yeah, it's the 30s. Yeah, it's the 30s. So the more and more people start thinking about it the more and more they're like we saw them leave with this guy and they brought up a general description There was, you know they kind of like wrote it out he was a tall skinny man with like a you know trying to grow a mustache maybe mid-twenties you know something like that so now it's freaking out the cops even more so into the second day after all these tips are pouring in and they're trying to do their very best these boy scouts are on top of this ravine And they're looking around. There's about five of them. And one of the kids says, Hey, you know what? Down there below where those trees are and those rocks, that'd be a cool hiding spot. Because remember, these are 30s Boy Scouts. They're not thinking of anything. So they're like, Hey, you know what? I know we're supposed to be looking for those girls, but let's go down there and see what's down there. That looks cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So they went sliding down the ravine. It was a good, like, maybe 50 to 60 feet down. Dang. As soon as they got down to the bottom, they they found little shoes tied neatly together and at the base of those shoes was a body of one of the girls and then just 10 feet away was the other two girls Wow left out and posed in various positions so right away those Boy Scouts were super smart super smart for their age
0: they look where nobody else would look
1: yeah well that that's number one number two two of them climbed back up to the top of the ravine ...and stayed there. The other three ran as fast as they could to find the nearest cop. They didn't touch anything. Yeah. They didn't move nothing. They, Those smart boy scouts. Very smart. Didn't
0: mess up the evidence.
1: Yeah. The cops came in, and actually, at this time, again, there's no DNA at the time. Yeah. And they don't know to pick up certain things. They found, basically, the kids were sexually mutilated. Get the heck out of here. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. Um, they were all sexually abused and they were all strangled to top it off
0: get the heck out of here man
1: so all three of them were laying there and the cops were just furious at this time because then they were like man we have a murder on on our hands This is something something crazy man so the police the police were going through basically the police chief that originally went after this case decided hey you know what we're gonna no, uh, we're going to coordinate with all the departments All the different counties Because none of them worked together like this This was unprecedented at the, For the time And he went and said Give me every one of your sexual deviants Rapists I want all their information Their files We're going through them We're going to You know We're going to um, Bring in all these people We're going to interview them And we're going to We're going to put them in a lineup And we're going to see that the witnesses Can try to identify them He yeah. did stuff that back then You know just, They didn't do Yeah of his time. Yeah, he was ahead of his time, and he brought and he he tried everything, and every time they thought they were getting close, someone had an alibi or, or someone you know it just didn't he fit, just went cold. or no one no one could identify the person. They had two major suspects, two major suspects. Well, one right away, they they kind of zeroed in on as oh. they were zeroing in on him. What gave them, gave him away? Because of his past, of uh, rapes. Uh and uh, messing with little kids Uh and the fact that he was in town and he had a record prior and he his sister lived within blocks of the park Mm. and so he came from Utah okay but his sister lived you know just a couple blocks away from the park as they were zeroing in on him here's the problem with the case we have a crossing guard We have a crossing guard by the name of Let me get his name here uh, Albert Dyer With an IQ of 60 Which is a 9 year old Yeah it's
0: pretty stupid
1: Came up to uh, Came up to the police and said You know was just milling around A few days after the case After they found the bodies Asking a lot of questions Talking to a lot of people and just inserting himself almost like into the case to where he went up to a cop and said, okay, you've got me. And they're like, what? What? And they're like, "I." he's like, I did it. I killed those kids. And the cops were like, holy crap. So then he arrest him. Mm-hmm. And back then, you could do a lot with a person. You didn't have Miranda rights, which is, you know... I gotta, you know, you if you lawyer up right now, you're good. You can lawyer up all you want back then. They could beat the crap out of you if yeah. they wanted to. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They can they can sleep deprive you. Yeah. You know? So, they interrogated this guy who, again, he's a crossing guard. So a lot of the kids saw him every day. You know, he worked for the school district. They were thinking, okay, he's got, you know, maybe he has it in for these kids because he's like a pedophile. You know, he sees them every day and he couldn't resist. And then when they asked him certain questions, he would confess and give a story that was somewhat close, but it didn't match, then he'd recant. And then he would confess again. And then recant. And it would just ke- keep going. So fast forward a couple, you know, couple weeks, and the trial comes up. You know, they put him on trial. They, they're like, you know what? This dude's guilty. Yeah. The lawyers, as the trial is getting prepared, are, are you know they've interviewed him and he has two public defenders and his family his wife and his family are, are like you know, it can't be him it's not him you know he has he has a mental problem yeah they kept telling telling him that what about that other guy that you guys are investigating they had a private investigator that the family hired to go look after the other gentleman which the one is one that you said which his name was fred Gotzi fred Gotzi fred Gotzi interesting enough He would, um, he was, what was he called here? Uh, He had a nickname. And um, he was actually, the funny thing is, had the cops did their job and not just zeroed in on our poor Dyer guy, they would have found out what the private investigators found out, which was the fact that the guy who they should have went after from Utah had well, had a name a uh, uh, nickname called Freddy the Sailor the kids knew him by Freddy the Sailor because he would do tricks mm. hmm. rope tricks uh. and he was like he was very uh, he had a, like a carnival background so he was able to undo in his joints and sort of just goof off and he liked performing for kids and And they found out that, you know, the cops didn't really know about his previous history of the Mm -hmm. molestations, the rapes. So the cops, again, they have their man, supposedly. Yeah. The private investigators are trying to have the lawyers stall as much as they can. The lawyers are trying to stall, too. But the problem is their boy isn't cooperating. The crossing guard. He continues to confess. And they're telling him just look they don't have anything except your confessions just plead insanity and or or just say you know not, I'm not guilty not composite yeah but it, but it wasn't registering in his head it wasn't registering because the other problem with Dyer who was a crossing guard is he grew up in a family that really didn't pay much attention to him because they knew he was mentally ill so the attention he was getting from the press all the pay- if you will oh. look up this page yeah if you look up this case He's smiling in the pictures. He's doing weird things in the pictures because he loves the he attention. Attempts, yeah. he, he doesn't get it from he, his family. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, all this new... He's enjoying himself. Yeah, he's locked up and everything, but he's enjoying himself. So if you look up these pictures, he looks scary. He's doing weird things, having outbursts and just laughing when they're reading the, the things of what happened to the girls, showing the pictures, because he doesn't get it and the lawyers fought really hard. For being public defenders, they fought really hard for him. But when it went to trial, the cops did not want to pursue Gottsee. The private investigators tried to find Gotzi. He'd split town. Dang. So they he couldn't knew. find him. Yeah, he knew. They thought that he went back to Utah. They even followed, they even went to Utah searching for him with two teams of detectives, private detectives, trying Dang. to find him. Because they knew if they got Gottsee, chances are they got him, right? Well, here's where it ha- where it goes for a turn for the worst, man. So Dyer gets convicted and sentenced to death.
0: Get the heck And out back
1: of. then, in the before the 50s, you didn't have a much a shelf life as far as if you were sentenced to death, your days were numbered. Yeah, you know, literally. Yeah, already. So he went to San Quentin, and in San Quentin prison, when asked about, he would ask the 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 um, how 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 there he was in the head. Here's here. Let me give you an example. He would ask the guards, "So when do I go on parole?" You're on death row, dude. You're dying. You're gonna be put to death. He didn't. It didn't register. And he kept. He was like, "Wow, when, do, when when do I get out of here? When do I see my mom? When do I see my wife?" He just didn't. It didn't register. Wow. So he was already convicted to death. He tried fighting at the very end, but just a year later, after those kids were found, he was hung in San Quentin prison. Most likely. An innocent man. Yep, died. Now moving on, this woman who wrote the book about her aunt. Was the, pri- the pri- one of the prisoners hung him, or
0: he hung himself? Mm-hmm. No, they they hung him. They, they, hung they executed executed. Oh, they executed. They executed. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. So moving on, Pamela did all this, you know, this this uh, uh, what do you call it? Stuff for her book research, and she also was a part of the Innocence Project because of it trying to help other prisoners that have been put to put to jail or sentenced to death and find out and give them ways to to fight their cases or or to find the truth so Mm -hmm. if they're truly innocent they you know she helps prisoners because of what happened to that dude and she wasn't even related didn't even know about it but she took she's now one of the prominent people in america for the innocence project helping out prisoners worldwide or at least you know statewide So that's the good that came out of it. The bad, this guy went on to offend more. Gottsy. Wow. Yeah, he wound up being in the western uh, part of the United States in Colorado, back in Utah. He only lived 10 more years. He died of natural causes, uh, or I, th- I think he had heart failure too. But He passed away 10 years after the, the murders, but not before he con- was com- uh, convicted on several other cases of uh, attempted rape uh with bodily harm um he kidnapped somebody and he robbed a few others so Mm -hmm. dude was bad and likely he was bad yeah he was likely the one behind it
0: and they would have they and they never will know
1: they'll never know they'll never if you look on the books if you look up the history the problem is with this case too what really bothered me it's a 1937 case anything before 53 i believe you can find crime scene photos. So you can literally see the girls on the gurney at the morgue, or you could see the actual pictures from the crime scene from when it happened.
0: Wow. And yeah.
1: Then, yeah. You, all you have to do is look up Babes of Inglewood, and then images, or, or just type in, like, you know, and it's there. Yeah. And then when I, because I just put in Babes of Inglewood when I was researching, and then, but then it, it gives you an option for corners, for the death, the you know, everything. Shows the parents when they first found out because the media was like everything. When they first found out that their kids were fa- uh, uh, passed away, they took a picture of her in the LA Times of the wife passing out in her husband's arms. Was, they were there with her when the, the news was dropped.
0: Wow.
1: So uh, there's all that stuff there. There's that pic- sucks, dude. There's more graphic back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Like the Black Dahlia murders? Yeah. Murder? Yeah.
1: That was more graphic. You actually see the picture of like. How they left her? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's bad. That's that that case up. is crazy. That's Absolutely. jacked up, man.
0: Yeah. And more than likely, you know, we don't know, but more, chances are that crossing guard was innocent.
1: That's it's what she seems to think.
0: Just it was just probably just wanted the attention.
1: I think that was what because I think back at back in those days, um, they tried to exonerate his name years later, but in the record books, he's the one that did it. He's the one that did it. But I think there's more than enough people that know now that it wasn't him it just wasn't it didn't add up Mm -hmm. it didn't add up yeah Yeah.
0: i mean it sucks for the the girls as well i mean the whole it it, it just sucks that justice wasn't truly served yeah and the guy who i believe and most people believe did it got away with it yeah i mean
1: Mm. everything added up so when people said you know hey they asked for the rope you know, I mean, just the, all the stuff that they were talking about, seeing a man showing off. And no one, and there was years later where people actually were showing pictures of Godsey and were pointing the finger at him. Like, no, that was the guy that did it. When they when they went back to, and then they were actually trying to find out, like, they, they were like, did you see this guy? Which was the guy who was commit, uh, convicted, Dyer. And a lot of them were like, Nah, it kind of looks like him, but not really. The yeah. two kinda did look alike too. Look similar. So when they were making those generalizations about okay, how tall was he? Did he have a mustache? How was his hair? The mustache and the hair were almost dead on. Yeah. So I think that's where the similarities and the cops just ran with it. You know what I mean? And so when you didn't have fingerprints and you have a guy, it's like just begging you to accept his confession, they took it. That one sucks. It does. That one sucks. That one, sucks. that one really sucks yeah well you want to hear a second story you think this one will be worse this one's probably going to piss you off ah. <laughs> will it be enough to make maddie sh- uh, shiver it might it might ah. Ah. But, all right was well, there any other questions you had about this case before we move on because you guys are kind of quiet in this. the one. only qu- the only question i had was um you know
0: the reaction. Well, you, you you pretty much answered the reaction. The mother passed out in the the, yeah. the father's arms and stuff. But I, I, I kind of wanted to know what the kids, the son's reaction was because you know, 30 years later when his daughter was missing, he he felt you know very yeah. angry. I, I just wanted to know. It didn't say, but I just wish I wanted to know what his reaction was at the time. Well,
1: well, he was he was uh, 12 years old. He was 12. And looking for his. His uh, sisters at the time was pretty traumatic on him. So when his daughter went out disobediently and he couldn't find her, didn't know where she was, he honestly freaked out because he was thinking, Last oh day. no, not again. He, yeah. he lost Last it. Day. Yeah, he did lose it. So, and um, she, like, in her book, she writes that several times she tried asking him about it and he, and he was just shut down about it. he did not want to talk about it
0: that's something you probably wouldn't want it to talk about is, yeah, yeah you probably would just want to He's like, shut it's that pa- it's like it's something you don't want to remember
1: yeah yeah because she grew up thinking okay i have two uncles and an aunt no she really had three aunts and two uncles and none none of her her aunts uh, or her aunt, the surviving one and the two other brothers didn't want to talk about either and the only other thing I didn't share with you guys either was was the surviving aunt. She was actually going to go with them. And and she was around that same age. Mm-hmm. But she yeah, but she decided not to. She stayed at home with her mom or, or or something. She did something other than go to the park like they did. She would have been right with them as well. She could have had the same fate. Could have had the same Dang. fate. So they were lured away, those three kids were lured away by that man who was primarily Gotzi, who was the, you know, that rope guy, the rope trick, the trickster.
0: And you say wow. he, he, he went and did other things too afterwards, huh? He did
1: stuff prior and after. Bastard. Yeah. He got, he got away with everything. He got away with most of it. He sure did. He sure did. <laughs> Dang. Well, that's it for that case. <laughs> now we're going to move on to 1986. Oh, we're fast forwarding. Dang. We're fast forwarding, yeah. I almost was in existence. <laughs> almost. Uh, two more years later this we're we're gonna go back to the East Coast this is in New York this is Jill Russell the story of Jill Russell who later became uh, known as Jill Cahill Jill Cahill Jill Cahill
0: let's hear it
1: so in 1957 she was born in New York when she was 26 uh, in 1986 she was at a bar and met Jeff Cahill who was a prominent stockbroker in the New York Stock Exchange They things went fast and furious she got pregnant a year into the relationship. Oh, and they, dang. They <laughs> decided to get married. So as they got married, things were a little dicey, but, you know, move, newlyweds and with a child and everything. They moved into a nice home. They had a second child. Okay. For whatever reason, he started to just lose interest in the marriage, The Jeff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jeff began to... <laughs> It phone went well. off. Uh oh. <laughs> so Jeff Sorry Jeff began that. No, you're good, you're good. We're not professionals. That's right. <laughs> Renee's like, Hold my beer. <laughs> um so basically, um they they're in a they're in a relationship that's having problems, Rocky. He goes into depression. He doesn't want to work. They wind up losing their big house. Dang. They wind up losing the stuff that they you know so they moved into an area in Syracuse, which is east of New York. Okay and she wound up saving them because she wound up partnering with a friend on a on a doesn't state what, what um job she had or in a company but they started up a company and it, it took off and so while he's at home drinking beers just upset with himself and depressed with himself he takes it out on her when she's bringing home the bacon what he you abusive no well yes but verbally first gotcha at first he just starts like ragging on her it's like dude She's bringing home a bacon, you know. Like, get your butt to work, you know. Do something. No, he cops out and just is, you know, just tearing her down every chance he gets. Yeah. So as time they got two kids. They got two kids. Okay. And they're they're at this time moving forward. uh, We're gonna move to about ninety six, when they get to the yeah. So so ten years old, about that ten and eight, something like that. Yeah. They get into their first physical altercation. He slaps her around a little bit, beats her up. She scratches him, cops are called, he goes to jail a little bit, he comes out. <clears throat> they want to get a divorce, but then they, they, they feel they shouldn't do it for the kids, you know, let's stick around. Yeah. She would live to regret that. She would try to keep the family going, things weren't really working out, more altercations took place. Okay. He really didn't really go back to a good paying job. She was floating the family with her company and it was still successful. Fast forward to 1998 12 years later yeah 12 years later. Now here's the interesting thing. In that same year in Halloween, they got an idea to go to a, a costume uh, they, they had an idea to go to a costume party. And at the costume party they were um, just, looking just him and the wife. yeah, him and the wife it was okay. a Halloween party and basically uh, they wanted to get outfits. His idea was, I'm going to dress up as OJ, and you're going to be Nicole Brown Simpson. Get the heck out of here. Are you serious? Yeah. That's, no. Wow. Yeah. That's what no. ethnicity were they? Oh, no, they're white. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have went over good, even in 98. No. no uh, it yeah. Have. yeah. Yeah. That, that, that didn't go good. Yeah. Unless they had some MAGA friends. I don't <laughs> know. <they're> over good. <laughs> Did he have blackface? You know what? Yeah. <laughs> They never went through with it because <laughs> the wife actually decided, hey, this is not a good idea. I ah, don't blame her. <laughs> and uh, that would just give him an excuse to carry a knife. Um, so anyway, fast forward a couple months later, the police get a call at around midnight. And so they get a call from <laughs> around midnight. There was my phone. Um, <laughs> so they get a call around midnight. and Everything is working out. And <coughs> yeah, so 12 o'clock he called. Uh, the police department which is the the husband and the police sent out uh, obviously paramedics and everything so there was an accident and they get out there and the first cops that get on the scene are uh, are kind of befuddled because they see five people they see the two kids the husband actually six people two kids the husband uh, his parents and the family doctor So now this was the party this was at their house. This is a couple months right. later. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, the cops are you know go in there and they find a woman and her her her, which is Cahill, his, his, wife. his wife's on the on the floor. Uh, her hair's matted with so much blood. Whoa! Blood just every and it's been a while, yeah. and and so. So there's blood everywhere. They call the paramedics. She's still alive at the time. She's still alive. Okay. Wow. So, they're, so they they rush her out of there. They take him to the hospital. He's got cuts on him, and you know he needs stitches. So th- the parents don't say nothing. The kids don't say anything. The family doctor that was there didn't say anything. Come to find out, what happens is, an in interrogation at first he he says it's a it's a back and forth thing, you know, where they, they just got into a tussle, and things got out of hand. Yeah. Right away, the cops know it's not fitting the crime scene. Mm -hmm. They find a bloody, uh, really bloody aluminum bat. Dang. Yeah. So, and then as they're stitching him up at the hospital and they're interviewing him and everything, he's like, okay, here's what happened. She came at me with a knife. I had to defend myself, and I just went too far with it. They were like, no, sir, that does not match. Not buying it. No.
0: I'm not a cop, and I am not buying it.
1: And when they interviewed the kids, the kids said they heard the parents... um, Arguing, and then the mom screaming to them, "Call the police! Daddy's killing me!" So, basically, they they found out too that she'd been there a while. Why? Because after he beat her, now that we know, with an aluminum bat, caved in the side of her head, Dang. her her skull. Dang. <clears throat> uh, cop, you know, bashed her so many times. There was blood everywhere. The cops it was a miracle they, they thought that she, she wasn't going to make it but she wanted to make it right so what happened was after finding out all this stuff they found out that once he beat her to within an inch of her life uh-huh. he said that's it I've got to kill myself he went to the garage turned on his car put a hose in the, the window from the exhaust and tried to carbon mono- monoxide himself to yeah, death yeah. you know by, by fumes the but then he chickened out as a chicken he is couldn't kill himself so he decided not to. He went back in the house with the kid still in there with her mom, all bloody mess, right? He waited a couple hours before calling the family doctor, which the family doctor had no idea was a bloody mess. He called his parents. His parents came over. The doctor's like, dude, you need to call the freaking paramedics. Yeah. That's the only reason why he called the c- cops or the paramedics in the first place. So that's like two or three hours, maybe a little more, of her laying Dang. in her own pool of blood within an inch of her life and her struggling now to Now let make me it. ask
0: you a question. Mhm. They're twelve years old and ten by now, the kids.
1: Yeah well no they're ten and eight at this time. Oh, okay, yeah,
0: yeah ten and 8 Mm-hmm. I think that's old enough for you to call nine one one. True. Yeah. You know, I, do you I think he you, you think he may have
1: told the kids, Don't do anything? As far as we know, we don't know. Okay. That's the whole point. Like we don't know I mean, yeah, that's one of the first thing I thought was why didn't the kids go to the next door? Yeah. Why didn't they call the cops? Uh, because I'm
0: quite sure they saw it happening.
1: They you heard know, it and they, they seen it. heard it. it and saw it. You know, that... I would have, you know,
0: tried to have done something. I mean, I'm not blaming the kids. I no, 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 I kid, know. But, no, I you know. It's kind of
1: hard because probably we all they react... Probably they froze. They probably it did. Been. Yeah. They could They you know. froze and they didn't know what to do. Yeah. That part hasn't been revealed. I'm pretty sure there's an answer for that. But we don't know that part. Man. Since they're kids. Um, yeah. So... You would think, okay, open and shut case, Johnson, this one's over. Easily. Kids and uh, the guys, he's in jail. You know, it's over with. Easily. <clears throat> no, this this has another layer. It's like an onion. So uh, <laughs> Shrek reference there. Uh, <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> so basically but what happened...
0: Another hap- layer meaning something else? Yes. Like yes. further? Yes. A lot, a
1: lot further. Stop. It a lot further. A lot, deeper, man. goes a lot deeper. That's what she that said. <laughs> <laughs> Beats <laughs> to it. <laughs> um, so anyway, what happens is... He actually has bail set. His parents bail him out. Now he didn't murder her; it was attempted murder. And I think they actually knocked it down a notch to where he could get bailed out for a hundred grand. His parents were good for it, and they what? bailed him out. Yes, they bailed him out. He had a court date set for uh, six six months after the case. Well, before you get started, mm-hmm.
0: what kind of parents he got, man? Because I'm telling you right now, if I did some crime. And my mom's, and you doing, were doing the time. Like, oh man, they're, my mom, they're leaving me in there. Not, oh yeah,
1: I'm not seeing the light no, of my, day.
0: No, my parents, yeah. probably, probably leave me in there. Come on, man.
1: First off, my dad would be like, "No, no, I love you, but you're disowned." <laughs> no, yeah, because yeah. they
0: were there, right? They yeah. saw it. They, they saw, saw what happened. Her. They saw Come the damage. You're gonna ride the big long
1: train. Exactly <laughs> to okay. Prisonville.
0: Okay, all right. I'm interested. Let's, let's so.
1: Interested. Okay, so what happens is he's bailed out. He has a preliminary hearing, which. Which basically states, okay, you're still on bond, but you need to report and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And your your case will be seen in six months.
0: Let me guess, he fled.
1: No. I wish he would have fled. Let's just put it to you that way. Okay. I think the world would have been a better place had he fled. He stuck around. And this entire time, his wife, who had been savagely beaten. Don't tell and, me. And given hardly any chance to live. Don't tell me. Was with her kids, rehabbing, and she would have to spend months in the hospital trying to recover, trying to learn how to speak, move her hands, and with an opportunity, maybe in a year or so, with plenty of, uh, what's it called, rehabilitation, have a chance to walk again. She was slurred. Oh, so he beat him. She beat. He beat him. Yeah. Beat her. There Bad was bat. Bra- there was brain damage because remember he caved in half uh, uh, a part of her skull so with those, a bat. Yeah, so, the so everything like, starting all over
0: again. There probably like was like probably like skull shrapnel in
1: there. Oh the yeah, brain. well he 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 caved in her skull so. on one side. Dang. So they had to reconstruct everything, and then she, you know obviously all the brain surgeries, you know all the rehab, you know touch and go. Her kids were there. Her family was supporting her. She was making all indications she was making a turn for the for the better uh-huh. and that had some day she would be not completely fully functional but at least a good uh, 60 to 70 yeah, yeah. percent of what she used yeah. to be and yeah there probably be memory loss and all this other stuff that would come mm-hmm. along with it but hey she's alive she's yeah. the mom she could take care of her kids the problem is like i said i wish homeboy would have fled don't tell me he devised a plan to get at her now now think about it think he wasn't done yet wasn't done yet Jeez. and to think of, think about this too now attempted murder is far less than than the murder itself yeah you can maybe get away with 15 years good behavior cut it in half even yeah. seven and a half eight years and you might be even go lower than that depending on how bad the 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 system is the overcrowding in the prisons and if you're on good behavior yeah well, he didn't take that in consideration. His hatred for his wife took over. He wound up getting himself a janitor's outfit online. He then proceeded to uh, to make an order with a letterhead on his computer, uh, belonging making his name. And he got pick- basically he made a false document and a logo of a chemical company, and he ordered online cyanide now granted he had it he this guy he had a plan he he hung out basically in front of that plant which he used their address which he had no affiliation to this is the rehab plant no 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 this is, this is, this is the, the husband I'm sorry oh okay yeah yeah he went to this company that made chemicals right okay. All a separate right. company from the hospital got it and ordered the cyanide, saying it was for something that that company would use cyanide for because the normal me and you can't order cyanide. Yeah. So he needed to, to make a letterhead. I should have explained that, my bad. Um, he made a letterhead saying that he was a supervisor from the company, he was ordering the product for the company, blah, 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 blah. He hung out there and camped in front of the freaking company till he saw the UPS truck come with a cyanide. Before they were able to walk into the company, he intercepted the UPS driver and said, hey, oh, I'm so and so from the letter. Here's the proof, here's my ID. Um, I, I, I ordered this, and the UPS guy probably should have thought twice, but he's like, oh, it seems legit. Your name's Cahill. This is Cahill. This is the letter, the documentation. Here, sign the paperwork. Boom. He got the bottle of cyanide.
0: Now, at that point, do
1: you fault the UPS person? No, not necessarily.
0: Because everything lined up. Like everything, he had his yeah. ID. He had to get, So I, I'm not mad at him on that mm-hmm. one. I probably would have done the same
1: thing. It's just genius by him. For waiting it out, because he probably had to hang out there for a couple of days. Yeah. And, and no one knows when the UPS driver's going to be there exactly, because yeah, mm-hmm. that's before the tracking info. Because remember, this is this is pre-2000, so the internet's pretty flaky at the time. Yeah. But even then, they have their standards. Yeah. Long story short, he makes uh, the very next day, and this is this is almost coming up on six months to the day of the beating, and his trial is literally around the corner within days. And so he's like I got to do this I got to do this now. He dresses up like a janitor, has a wig and walks in. The problem I have is in this hospital that he walked into where his wife was. The nurses and staff in the in the area saw that he wasn't wearing the same color outfit that the janitors wear. Red flag number 1. Yep. Red flag number 2, he had a he had an obvious wig on. The guy was balding at this point, so he had a like a shaggy wig on and basically again red flag number two they noted it but right then and there they didn't call security they waited and it wasn't until they asked another janitor a question about it did they get alarmed but then it was too late why because he made his way to the room of his wife and forced the cyanide down her throat
0: oh dang
1: and so when the alarms on the machine started going haywire because she's not breathing anymore, he made his get getaway out of the hospital. However, you know, as he was leaving outside, he took off his wig a little too early. And he was caught on camera. But by then, by the time the nurses got to her, they tried everything to save her. She was gone within the hour. Dang. Wow. They wound up tracking him down. They got him. They arrested him. He went to trial. Come on. And he was given a death sentence. So he's on death row. But look what happened. Because the, the system failed her being the victim. And they should have at least had a guard on duty. Yeah, something. absolutely. Something. something. And because he's on bail, You know, so like he wanted to finish the job. I mean, he want, his whole thing was to kill her in the first place. Yeah. He, he what didn't did do he it the do first time. What did do to him for him to be so malicious like that? That we don't know. The... I looked into that, too, to try to find out what, you know, besides the arguments and the fighting, there really was no, and maybe his jealousy of her because of her successful company. But still, from all indications, she was a good wife, and he was a good father to the kids. He never raised a hand to the kids, but they had some really bad issues between both of them. And he had to finish her off for whatever reason.
0: Come on, man. That's a coward, dude. Yeah, dude. Like, come on,
1: man. You beat her almost half to death, and and you weren't satisfied. He beat like, her like literally ninety five percent. I mean, she was like on you know when you play those video games and your energy bar and you're oh, like you like barely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, she was blinking, man. She she was like one step from death's door, dude.
0: But here's my thing, like you said, have a guard on duty or,
1: or have the doors locked. Yeah. Or have you know just have it locked and only. Have a nurse. Have a nurse, nurse there. That can open Something. It. I mean, you would think one would think if if okay. You know, he has ill will towards his wife. He almost killed her. He's out on parole. Yeah. Why haven't they stepped up their game and tried to protect her? And I think that's where the police, that's where security, that's where the system failed her. Absolutely. And now the kids who thought they lost their mom but were there to help rehab her, give her time. She was working for those kids to come back and to be somewhat of a mother figure to them again. And she tried so hard. And to die like that. And to die like that.
0: Power,
1: dude. I wonder how his parents felt bailing him out. I know. Probably they have the probably the biggest burden of it now. I know he doesn't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but think about it. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, his parents must feel disgusted. Like,
0: why don't we bail? Why yeah. do
1: we... The yeah. only good thing is her parents took over the kids. His didn't. Oh, so, I, uh, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, because I would be wrong if they, they, they would have got him. Because I would... I would have stabbed my own grandparents. I'd be like, you killed my mom. Yeah. Know, my my dad's a psycho, you know, so there's no winners in that case at all. Neither the one before. I just thought I'd give you two cases that were like M. Night Shyamalan movies with twists at the end where you think it's going one way, but it goes the other. This
0: story got me pissed, man. Right? I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Because the way he did it, like, he wasn't satisfied, man.
1: No, he had to kill he, her.
0: it. It's like he had, like, there was nothing else.
1: Yeah. I mean he was stewing in prison. And this guy when you see him, he just looks like a douchebag. He just looks like a douchebag. You're just like really and for him to get out on bail and just to offend. I mean, I mean if anything, why not put him on house arrest? Yeah. Give him a freaking uh, what's You're that called? Monitor uh, ankle monitor. Yeah. I mean, that's why if me and you and Renee can think about this and be like, "Hey, you know why didn't he do this? Why didn't do this?" We're not professionals. Yeah. We're not we're not police officers how come they didn't do that and it's not like it's in the 30s like like your other story yeah. Yeah. it's in like the 90s 90s yeah, like yeah. they probably had, they had them by then they started to come out by they them. had angle braces in the 80s yeah, yeah
0: they should have done that
1: <laughs> something and unfortunately they let this guy do whatever he wanted and i mean the only thing i'll give him credit for is the cyanide but i think as far as everything else he was a major league you know what for not taking his own life he should just killed himself Make the world a better place. Kill yourself or take take off. Go away. Flee. Go on the run. At least, you know, the, she would still be alive today.
0: Something yeah. in his head must have triggered and snapped for him to say, I got to finish this. Like, yeah, I
1: have to. Like, it, No, you didn't. He went to extreme measures. And he made things worse. Because now, now he's on death row. He's in New York. They will kill him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It might take five or ten years, but they will kill him. He's probably dead by now, right? No, it's this, uh, like I said, 98. He's still on death roll. You get a certain amount of appeals, which can extend your your time. But as far as I know, just like the case we did last week, his appeals are running really short, if not out already. So it's just a matter of time. Within the next couple of years, he's he's, he's going to have an execution he's date. On borrow, he's on borrowed time. He's on borrowed yeah. time. Exactly. Wow. Well, if the system don't kill
0: him, I hope somebody, well, I don't wish death on anybody, but you know the rules in the prison. Yep. You goes around, it. comes around, you man. Know it. So, yeah. So. That's our yeah, two
1: cases. Yeah, this one pissed me off. That, that one pissed me off more you, Todd. than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Through you, Todd. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I told you there'd you be know, no happy stories in this one, man. Yeah. yeah it's not it. like a Japanese parlor or a massage place where you get a happy ending. Yeah, no happy ending. No happy ending, yeah. no happy ending yeah.
0: in this one. The first one really touched me, too, because of the kids, man. You know yeah. Age.
1: And, yep. Um, but this one was, that one. Too. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did some traveling in this episode, and time-wise, we did time travel. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. time traveled. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and next week, I'll just give you a little, a little of uh, what we'll is it called? Tease, little tease Ooh. on this one. This one is gonna be uh, not your. It's a serial killer, but not a serial killer that I would say ninety-nine percent of the true crime f- family have heard about. And this one, this one came from a first forty-eight episode, a two-parter which is really good in their initial season, which was 18 years ago. And it's not what you think. And it happens very fast because, and, and there's just some craziness involved that I'm not going to get into. I'll save for next episode. Yeah. That, that that will throw you for a loop. And I'll just say the case, the only teaser I'm going to put on it is some brilliant freaking detective work that got the job done. Brilliant. I'm intrigued. Yes, it's very good. Ah, and I know you're not going to tell me anything. Huh? Nope, I got to save it till next week. Bro. Screw you. He's like, no, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been another episode of the True Crime Podcast brought to you in part by The Grinds. Got to give a shout out to our narrator, Mr. Todd. Thank you, sir. And uh, give a shout out to our other host, Big Renee. Nice to be here. And this is your boy, Maddie Matt. If you like what you hear, check us out on The Grinds on our website, www.thegrindpodcast.com. Look us up under The Grinds on Podbeam and Spotify or any other social media streams you may be listening to. So, once again, for Maddie Matt
1: and Todd Fox and Big Renee, peace.